Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey friends, and welcome back for season three of Quit Your Day Job. I am your host, Alicia Fernandez-Miranda. In this podcast, you'll learn all about the fascinating jobs that people do, some that you might never have even heard of, as you contemplate your own personal and professional future. I started this podcast because I've always been fascinated by jobs. I even quit my own day job to spend a year as an intern. You can read all about it in my new book, My What If Year. It comes out on February 7th, and you can pre-order it right now, everywhere books are sold, or head over to my website, aliciafmiranda.com, for more information. Go ahead. I'll wait. In these times of quiet quitting and great resignations and loud quitting or whatever, I think more people than ever want to follow their passions. Everyone on this podcast has, and I encourage you to do the same. Hello, wherever in the world you are listening from. I am here from Edinburgh, and I cannot wait to share this next episode with you. I have to confess that as an obsessive, of 90s and 2000s teen dramas and comedies, I never watched One Tree Hill. So it was extremely lucky then that I got to meet the absolutely brilliant Kate Vogel, who played Mia, if you are a fan, at the Alt Summit in October of this year. She is a brilliant musician. She is an LA-based singer, songwriter, recording artist, and creative entrepreneur. She, as I said, starred on the hit CW show, One Tree Hill, and she founded the lifestyle company, We The Dreamers. Along with playing thousands of shows, touring internationally for the last decade, Kate has also been developing and creating content for We The Dreamers, which is a blog and lifestyle company that exists to celebrate the power of our collective dreams and inspire creatives to make something from nothing every day. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Quit Your Day Job. I just am so excited to have with me on the podcast today, Kate Vogel, who is a singer, an actor, a brilliant public speaker, has these really amazing glasses on, just like... (laughs) I don't I don't even think that all of my research before this call and meeting Kate at the Alt Summit is has even scratched the surface of what she is capable of. So Kate, I'm so happy to have this chance to chat with you today. Oh, thank you so much, Alicia. I'm so happy to be here. It was so much fun to meet you at Alt. We were both on a panel together that was like incredibly fun and so insightful. And it's only been a couple of weeks, but it feels like I feel like I'm still riding just the high of being in that space with all these like powerful, amazing women. And so it was just, it's amazing to hear your story. And I'm just, I'm fascinated by your project and your book coming out soon. So thank you so much for having me. It's really fun oh, to be here. Maybe we should just end the recording here because that was perfect and all you say. But no, sorry, you're not off the hook because we are going to talk about you and we are going to talk about some of the things that we did speak about on that panel about pivoting. And yeah. you just had some amazing thoughts. So before we dive into 
into the very deep, important questions about your job and your life. I have a little bit of this or that for you just to just to warm you up. So love it. I'm gonna give you two options, just like I would on Instagram, and tell me which one you are picking today, which one you prefer, and just a little bit about why. All right, I love it. Okay. So number one, singing or acting? Ooh, definitely singing. That one is an easy one. And the reason why is because that's where I started. I wanted to be a singer ever since I was a little kid. I was always bugging my cousins and my friends to start bands with me, writing songs. And acting was a detour that I almost took accidentally. Loved it. Ended up really enjoying it, even though I didn't plan on doing it. But singing has always been where I feel the most like me. That's your heart. Oh, I love that. Yeah. All right. Easy one. Okay. This one, let's see if this is easy. Ohio or California? Ooh, I got to say California. I mean, I love Ohio. That's where I was born and raised. I have tons of family and friends still there, but I just was done with the winter. <laughs> like, <laughs> the Lake Erie winter is me and me and the winter. We're done now. And I love the Midwest. I love being from Ohio. My husband, I met him in Los Angeles, but he's also from Ohio. He's from Columbus. And so like, I love folks from the Midwest. It's a beautiful place to be from, but I definitely am like, I love being by the ocean. I love being in 75 and sunny all the time. So yeah, I, I'm a California girl. Sorry, Ohio. Yeah, you can you can love Ohio in the summer. I think that's probably for fair. sure. The fall. <laughs> beautiful. Yep. For like a week and then we're done. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and then California warmth. I know. I'm like, we're, we had the first frost this morning here in Scotland. And I'm like, why Why oh, do I Why do I live somewhere cold again? I ask myself this every year at this time. Because you're in Miami, right? Before, I grew up in Miami. Yeah. That is, I kind of love it though. Like I have a friend who's from Palm Springs and he and his wife moved to, to Canada and he's like, all about the snow, all about the winter. So sometimes I think it's the opposite of what you exactly. know. Exactly. I love seasons. Yeah. And I actually do. I, I really, even now after many winters away from Miami, I love the changing of seasons. There's not like a whole lot of variation in Miami in terms of it's like sure. hot and hotter and then extremely hot. But, yep. you know, I love the leaves changing. And I love how spring feels after you kind of survive the winter. You feel like you deserve it, like you really deserve it. Yes. So. It's so true. It's beautiful. I, I, I've never been to Edinburgh, but I'm like, it is on my list. So I feel like that would be a very cozy place to, to that's the ideal vibe. It's definitely for cozy. Definitely cozy. Yeah. No, we have a good winter vibe here in Scotland for sure. Love it. Okay. Are you a cat person or a dog person? Definitely a dog person. And as you can probably see, oh, I'm not sure if you can. <laughs> I can't tell if that's a pillow or a really furry dog. <laughs> that's kind of her deal. Yeah. This is my little rescue pup, Nola. She is so sweet. And I never grew up with cats. I do like them. I think they're cool and interesting, but I'm a little bit allergic to them. So we have never had one in our home. And so I'm definitely a dog person. I feel like I'm a very needy pet owner. So I need the affection of like, my dog yes. is sitting in the chair next to me, you know? <laughs> I could not, I could not imagine a standoffish pet. And my dog is downstairs and has been locked in my son's bedroom with him because if not, she'll be oh. up here trying to guest star oh, yeah. on this podcast with us. Oh, so. I mean, clearly. <laughs> yeah. My, mine has already made the attempt to sit in my lap before I logged into the meeting and I was like, okay, that's too much, but yeah. But yeah, stay, stay nearby. Amazing. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Okay. Guitar or keyboard? Ooh, that's a great question. Definitely. I'm a much better guitar player. So I have to say guitar 
you know, initially because that is much more my instrument. I wish that I had stuck with those piano lessons when I was a kid, but I mostly just write on the piano and I can play a little bit, but not very well compared to my friends who are real keyboard players. But I like to write songs on the piano better on the keyboard because I think it's something about the instrument being laid out like all linear Mm. because the keys are just, you know, in ascending order. And the guitar, it's all mixed up with these chords. And sometimes I think like there's something about writing music and being creative with an instrument that you're not as familiar with and you're not as proficient at that sometimes brings out more special ideas than going to sort of the thing that you know. So it's kind of a, you know, kind of a balanced thing there. I'm better at the guitar, but I, I prefer to write on the keyboard. Amazing. And then finally, who is your favorite One Tree Hill heartthrob? Oh, One Tree Hill heartthrob. Okay, well, I feel like I have to go with the guy who played my boyfriend on the show because he, Stephen Coletti, who's an amazing actor, great friend, you know, I mean, I feel like it would be a little bit like, you know, unfair to not go with him because he was my character, Mia's boyfriend the whole time that we were on the show. But man, other than that, I got to say, like, everybody was... Everybody was so delightful. Like I'm about to see all of those folks next weekend for a convention that we tend to do every year for the fans in Wilmington, North Carolina, where we film the show. And so, I mean, all the heartthrobs were also my music, my my other co-stars who were musicians, Tyler mm-hmm. Hilton, Mike Grubbs, total heartthrobs. You know, I mean, you gotta oh, you yeah. gotta show some love to the other the other musicians from the show. We had there were a lot of us who were primarily musicians, but ended up acting on the show. It was one of the kind of cool, unique things about the show is that they really featured music heavily. But yeah, so kind of a you know, I'm such a like, <laughs> I'm like everybody was nice, but <laughs> those would be my top three, I guess. <laughs> Very good answers. I'm sure they'll be glad to hear it. Um, yeah, well, for sure. all right, good job, Kate. You passed the this or that. Good, Ooh, well done. Thanks. I like the idea. That's fun. Good, but now now we're into it. So you got to tell us your story because you've you said you always wanted to be a singer and yeah. a songwriter. How did you turn that into a reality? It's a and great a prof- question. And a profession. Yeah, it was, you know, it's really interesting because my whole kind of journey with this job started very much as like, we're just going to put this music online and see what happens. Because I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, and I started making my first real, like recording my first music in like 2003, which was a very different time in the music Mm. business than it is now. And so it was still very much this old school kind of, you know, you had to get discovered by, you know, an A&R guy, which stands for artists and repertoire. They're the guys at the labels or girls who hold all the cards and who Mm -hmm. sign the artists. And back, you know, before the internet became such a, you know, central place for people to, I mean, now it's completely different, but you really had to be discovered and signed to a label in order to distribute your music around the world because there wasn't, you know, you couldn't just log into Spotify and say, I'm going to put my music out there, you know, even if you're something on YouTube and that's it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So it was kind of one of those things where I had started writing songs. My dad is an unbelievably talented songwriter, not by trade. You know, his day job is in real estate, but I grew up with him teaching me how to write music and going to see him play coffee houses and all that stuff when I was a kid. And he's a great guitar player. So when he taught me to play guitar, I started writing songs in like my freshman year of high school and did not 
really expect for anything big to happen with it. I was a really introverted kid, which I think right. I mentioned on the panel. And so many people came up to you me did. afterwards. People and were like, like, what? <laughs> I don't believe you. But I was, oh my gosh, if you ask my friends or my family, I was like a very shy kid. And so I was writing songs to kind of like deal with being 14 and figuring stuff out and boys. And, but I was terrified that like my classmates were going to find out that I was writing songs and I didn't want them to know who I was writing them about. Oh my God. So I like locked myself in my room. My dad had bought me a four track, like cassette tape recorder where you can like record, you know, four different tracks. You can record harmonies, the guitar on one track and your vocal. And he actually snuck into my room and listened to what I was writing and recording, which like, you know, I'm, I'm not a parent yet, but I feel like is a cardinal sin (laughs) as a parent (laughs) to sneak in. I mean, mean, essentially, you know, like no, you're right. your kids oh, before, before this call, I was just telling my daughter how if she didn't tell me her screen time, like her passcode for her yeah. iPad, I'd just change it from my phone because I need access to everything she does. So it's a power maybe something move. terrible happens to you when you become a parent. But no, no, if I had been 14, I would have absolutely lost my mind if my yeah. dad had done that to me. Totally. I was super. But, you know, the, the irony is that I totally like, oh, him my entire career and my mom, you know, in music because he encouraged me. He was like, Hey, this is really good. And I didn't mean to like, you know, kind of go in and listen to this stuff without (laughs) your permission, even though he totally did. But he was like, let me help you record this a little bit, you know, better if you want, because I think that we could play this for some people. And, you know, I think that there's something here. And so I totally owe that to him And I ended up, once I got over the fact that he snuck in and listened, you know, we ended up recording some stuff. Long story short, I played a lot around Cleveland in high school and uh, Pittsburgh. I had some family there. My dad's company had a couple of, you know, their, their real estate company worked with a few clubs and, you know, music venues. And so people would, you know, be cool enough to say, hey, we had a cancellation. Do you want to come play? Or, hey, you know, Cheryl Crow's coming through and we need an opener. Do you want to open? And so my parents were amazing that they would, you know, they would pile us in the van, drive me to Chicago, drive me to Pittsburgh. And, you know, I mean, it's not like I was getting paid a whole lot at this point, you know, they'd be like, we'll give you 50 bucks if you come. And so I, I owe everything to them for encouraging me and for nurturing this, you know, thing that I was clearly excited about, but I was not like miss kind of, you know, I didn't do a lot of advertising to right. my classmates because I was really kind of like... You did not want them to hear the songs you had written about them. No, I was like, <laughs> oh my God, the guy from my science class is going to know I wrote this song about him, you know? And so it was kind of a like, I don't want to say it was an accident because I very much wanted it, but I didn't know that it was possible for it to be my job and for this to be something because you didn't major in right. music in college. So... I put my music on MySpace and that was the catalyst for me signing my first record deal. It took, you know, years of me showcasing for different record labels, signing with a manager, kind of unsigning with that manager in high school. I had kind of a crazy roller coaster of an exploration of this business. And then mm. when I finally I put my music on MySpace, that became a thing. I got a message from Tom Anderson, who, if you know, if anyone is lucky enough to remember the MySpace days, he was your first friend. He was the guy who started MySpace and he was a real guy. Apparently I didn't know that. (laughs) I did not know that either. (laughs) I thought he was just like a 
a random picture of a dude that, you know, but he was, he was a real guy, sent me a message and was like, Hey, are you signed yet? I'd really like to sign you. I'm starting a record label. And so that really set everything into motion. I was a freshman in college at the time. And I was sort of just taking classes, not really knowing what, because I knew what I wanted to do was music, but I didn't know how to make it happen. And so that, you know, prompted me to say, okay, it's time for me to leap into this full force, treat it like my job. And, but it has been wild to navigate because it really is a very, very different business model. And it's a very different job description now than it was in 2007, you know? So how do you go from this introverted high schooler writing songs in your room to getting up on stage and performing in front of people and opening from Sheryl Crow? I mean, I I think why people find that surprising, one, you're very, you know, eloquent, you speak beautifully publicly. So I think people would be surprised that you say you're an introvert. But also, it seems like it would be at odds with this idea of being a performer and putting yourself out on stage every night. Yeah, it it absolutely is. It's really interesting. I think it's one of those things that, when you want to do something badly enough, you just figure it out. But I mean, it truly took, it's the 10,000 hours thing for me, like more than that. Mm. My first gigs, my first tours, it was, it was like excruciating for me to get on stage and I didn't know what to say. And, you know, I, it took a long time of just doing it over and over and over again to figure out like, okay, you know, this is actually not that scary, but it does make me realize when I reflect back on it, because I am, I'm, it really, it changed my personality in a lot of ways Mm. and for, for the better, because I do love, I love public speaking now. I love meeting people now. And it really like, you know, I feel like I almost, it almost like chiseled me into someone who is not, you know, intimidated by being on stage and by meeting new people now. And not that there's anything wrong with being an introvert. I still consider myself an introvert. I'm not somebody who, you know, my husband is like very, very extroverted, very, very, like he's just got that charisma and he, he loves it. He's energized by it. I think I learned to find that because I just loved singing so much and I loved writing songs and I felt like I had something to share with people And it was almost like that was more important than my need to be comfortable and stay in my comfort zone of like, you know, and I'm so glad I, I'm so glad I pushed through it because it really is something that I think has served me obviously in my job, but also just in my life. I'm so much more comfortable with myself now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I mean, I think it's kind of, it's 
constantly, it's putting yourself out there and it's just doing it over and over and over again. I've interviewed a few people on the podcast who work in performing arts or who are writers, or I interviewed this season a stand-up comedian. And this cool. just constant rejection, basically. Yeah. You know, I mean, I certainly feel it all the time, but it does make you stronger. You have to develop a thicker skin because you yes. have no other choice. It's that or give up, right? So... Yes, exactly. It's totally like you learn really not to take things personally, which as an artist is like <laughs> unthinkable, right? Like you're pouring your feelings into these songs. And, you know, I mean, a lot of us are very sensitive people yeah. as artists, as creatives, but it's it's good because you learn to sort of separate and say, okay, there's a time to be really in my feelings and be emo and write these lyrics and perform them. But there's a time to say, you know, it's not personal if I get rejected. This business is crazy. It is ruthless, but you, you learn to compartmentalize a little bit, which is, is tough, but I think it's, it's a good thing in life in general, you know? So give me a little peek behind the scenes. I think people are always fascinated by music as a career, but what does a, what does it actually look like for you? How do you structure your days and your weeks? That's a great question. It's something I'm still finding, to be honest, because I think my version of this job probably looks a little bit unique compared to somebody who's saying, okay, I am primarily, I'm just a musician. And what I do is I make music, I record songs, I release those songs, and I go on tour and promote them. And then I do it all over again. That is sort of the traditional music business model. And that is what I did for a long time. But alongside that, I also spent four years acting on a television show. So that already kind of changed the trajectory of like what my days looked like. Now, I think being, you know, in this modern era of music streaming, of being able to be an independent artist and make a living making music without sort of the gatekeepers at a record label, it, it definitely looks very entrepreneurial in a way that I didn't expect it to be when I was in high school saying, all I want to do is be a singer. I had no idea that this job would require me to be my own boss, you know, 15 years down, down the line. But in a way it's been empowering because I think it does allow you to really like you do set your own hours, but there's, there's sort of a lot about that, that as I'm sure, you know, Ooh, it's good you and know, bad. <laughs> it's good and bad. Totally. It can be, it, there's almost too many options. So for me, what I usually end up doing is like three days out of my week are like editing days, which are essentially like whether I'm editing content, video, you know, stuff for social media, or I'm editing like music that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really kind of me like being able to be comfortable. I'm at home. I'm kind of holed up in my music studio and I'm working on whatever it is I'm working on. And then there's days when there's like, you know, creative days where I'm filming content for brand partners. You know, I'm, I'm having to do my hair. I'm having to do my makeup. I'm, you know, recording music or I'm writing music. You know, it's sort of like these days that are more kinetic energy and these days that are more sort of potential, just like, okay, now I'm editing and, you know, you're wearing a lot of different hats. And so for me, it's really helped to kind of, you know, compartmentalize and say, okay, there's going to be days where I'm on And I, you know, did my hair and I put on jeans and then there's going to be days when I'm 
comfy and it's yoga yeah. pants and it's, you know, but, and then obviously there are weeks that are touring and that's, you're on constantly, you know, and that's a totally different situation. But I think that, you know, kind of having those different, those different chunks of knowing sort of what I'm doing yeah. that day has helped me distill it down a lot so that it's not this like mysterious, yeah. you know, thing of like, okay, how do I do this? But it is, it's something I'm still finding. It's hard to to get into a schedule when you're kind of the only person that you're accountable to, you know? I totally relate to that. And I think I'm a very structured person. And so mm-hmm. sometimes I will put like into my calendar, I'll be like, I'm going to spend two hours doing this. And I need that because yeah. if not, if I have a whole day ahead of me and I'm like, great, I have the whole day to write or the whole day yeah. to do podcast stuff. I'm like, all of a sudden it's like 1130 and I'm still in my pajamas and yep. like walked the dog and had 14 classes, glasses of uh, cups of coffee and like yep. done nothing. <laughs> so I definitely think structure is helpful. And it's something that people don't often think about because uh, there's almost this like glamorizing of being your own boss and having your own schedule to oh, set. Yeah. But I think that you still do kind of, you know, that means that the burden is on you to make those choices about how you're going to spend your time most efficiently. Yeah. And it's really been, it's been an exploration for me because it started out as the complete opposite. Like right. in 2007, when I signed my deal, you know, I pretty quickly got to a point after a year or two, I landed my part on One Tree Hill. My music was on One Tree Hill. Like, I was selling 20,000 albums a week and I was upstream to a major label where there was a person in charge of every aspect of my career. You know, there was a business manager, there was a marketing manager, there was somebody who picked out my outfits for my appearances on morning shows. And it was amazing, but it was really a situation where people would say to me, because I kept trying to say, you know, what can I do? How do I need to be more proactive? And they were like, you just need to write music, perform music, and look cute. And that's what you, that's your job. That's it, Katie. And I was like, awesome. Okay. This is sort of what I thought this was, you know, when I grew up in the nineties and two thousands, great, perfect. I know how to do that. And then it completely changed when everything sort of shifted towards streaming, everything shifted from a kind of, you know, and in a way that I think really suits my lifestyle better. I'm somebody who, you know, I like, playing shows, but I really enjoy working on something in my studio. Like I work really well by myself on something creative, like going down the rabbit hole for a couple hours. And I, I like that better than sort of handing all the creative decisions to other people, because you do learn that. I think when I was younger, I thought, oh, well, if somebody works at a record label and they're in charge of marketing, then they obviously are the expert. And it's like, you kind of learn Not necessarily, you know, (laughs) they don't necessarily know what's best for you. And they don't know necessarily what songs are best for this album or which song should be the single, like, you know, your audience. So it's been empowering for me, but it's been a major adjustment that has been, you know, kind of a, a journey to, to navigate, but it has given me a lot of, a lot to talk about, like in my speaking, it has really helped me connect with people who experience this, not necessarily just in the music business or in the entertainment business, but in general, like women and young people who are like looking for some guidance on how to get out of their own way when they're trying to sort of do what it is they've always dreamt of doing or start a business or be an entrepreneur. It's really helped me feel like now I know how to speak on that. And 
I, I know what it's like because it's yeah. a, it's not easy. It's not a linear success thing. It's a lot of ups and downs and trying stuff and prototyping and falling on your face. <laughs> like, you know. So did, was that like a, a kind of pivot point for you or was it more of a gradual organic change from kind of being this person who is almost a product and being controlled in many ways by decisions by other people and kind of then taking ownership and agency over your artistic future? Yeah, it, it was a pivot for sure. And it was definitely, you know, in some ways it was drastic because I think when I left the major label and started releasing music on my own independent label, it was pretty apparent very quickly this was a different ball game. Mm-hmm. And I was all of a sudden wearing all the hats instead of just the couple, you know, of being the person on camera and the person writing the songs and the person on stage. Now I'm the marketing manager too. And I'm the social media manager. And, you know, so it was, it was a lot of, okay, I have to think on my feet and figure out how to do this was a lot of leaning on other people, other friends who had Mm -hmm. sort of made the shift to being independent, but then it was gradual in the sense that I think, you know, for a few years after I made that change, I was still touring constantly. I was still really sort of following this traditional trajectory of what a music career looks like. And then I think over the past five or six years, I've really leaned more into my other creative passions and incorporated things like my painting, my design, Mm -hmm. my, you know, content creation and letting people into sort of like things that tell my story that aren't just my music. And for me, that's really been gratifying to sort of gradually show my fans and my audience that I have more to say than just, here's my music and now I'm going to go on tour. Here's my music, now I'm going to go on tour. You know, I want to bring people into, you know, the other things that I'm passionate about and the other ways that I'm an artist and a creative. And in that sense, it has been kind of this cool, gradual, like journey to finding a job that I don't know if it sits in one bucket, but Mm -hmm. I really, I love it way more than I did even, you know, when it was kind of this very straightforward traditional music career, which is fun. It's really courageous as well, I think, because when you're good at something and known for something, it can be really scary to put something else out there that's different and be like, oh God, are people going to like this other side of me? Are they going to like my painting? Are they going to like my art? I mean, it's it's terrifying. So I think it's, it's so definitely hard. a brave thing to do. What advice would you have for someone who, you know, you said that the industry now is very different than what it was. And I think in yeah. a lot of ways that's made, well, it's a question for you. Is it easier now to get into the music business to turn music into a profession than it was when you were starting? And what practical advice would you have for someone who's listening to this and dreaming about being able to perform their own songs and write, you know, what would you say to them? Yeah, that's such a great question. I would say absolutely it is easier in the benefits outweigh the drawbacks of if you are wanting to make it in the music business, make music, share it with people now, it is exponentially easier to, it's actually just, it's possible to release the music by yourself in a way that it just wasn't when I was in high school. I, you know, I mean, you had to go get a CD made and you had to (laughs) you had to go to a guy's studio or girl's studio and have this producer produce your music for you. And now you can produce incredibly sophisticated, like stuff that would go on the radio tomorrow. It's even kind of an old school reference to say the radio, but something that sounds professional on your laptop, you know, you could probably do it on your phone, to be honest. So 
That factor is huge. You All you have to do is learn how to record and produce your own music, which there's a zillion free you know, tutorials on YouTube and whatever. And then you can distribute your own music for, you know, really next to nothing. I mean, I think it's probably like 30 bucks to upload your music to a distributor and have it distributed to Spotify, Apple Music, all that good stuff. And so my advice would be, I would think that probably the thing that feels like a disadvantage for anyone starting right now is that there is a lot of noise. It's extremely saturated. But at the same time, there's more and more people using the internet, you know, every year and people are never going to, people are always going to want to find their next favorite song. You know, I don't think I know anyone who's like, I'm at capacity with music. I enjoy, (laughs) you know, like I'm done. I'm done now. I'm done. Everybody loves music, right? We all love different types of music, but I don't think I know anybody who doesn't like music at all. So there's, there are so many people out there who could potentially, you know, decide that your song is their next favorite song. And so I would say my biggest advice would be to just put in the hours, write a million songs, start before you're ready, start writing songs before you feel like you're ready to do it, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and start singing them live before you're ready to do it too. If if that's a part of what you want to do. I was absolutely terrified. It's hilarious when I think back about my first couple of shows, (laughs) but you have to just put in the hours, do it, find what works and don't be afraid to, to pivot or sort of prototype along the way. Don't, I, I was really big on putting pressure on myself to get everything right on the first try when right. I was younger, still very much have perfectionism <laughs> issues, but you know, allow yourself to find it, allow that to be a journey. And, you know, I think just be more curious about where it could take you and who might love your music. than you are afraid to be rejected because you're going to get rejected and people are going to say mean yeah. stuff. The internet's insane. Trolls are crazy. <laughs> you're going to, people are going to like, I mean, if I could, you know, put together, I could put together a whole laundry list of like stuff that people have said about my songs or me or how I looked or, you know, oh my God. that is so just, you know, insensitive and mean, but that is the reality anymore. Yeah. So if, you love it and you have something to say and you have something to share, I would say just, you know, try to lean into your curiosity about where it could take you instead of, you know, and, and let that lead and, and know that the rejection and the, you know, the reviews and all of that will happen. But I mean, I would just say from somebody who started out as a person that no one would have expected, I, you know, to get on stage and, love being on stage and be somebody who loves public speaking and, you know, who, who really kind of just put in the time and tried to learn how to make it work for me, you know, give yourself grace and, and just do it and put your music everywhere, put it online. I was, you know, discovered on MySpace. Now you got TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, all this stuff. I mean, it's, (laughs) unbelievable. The possibilities are endless and you don't have to, you know, you don't have to have a million followers. If you've got like a smaller audience that loves what you do and they care about it and they're engaged, that's the power of the, the time we're living in that just didn't exist, you know, when we were younger. So that would be my, my biggest advice, you know, just keep doing it and be curious about it and share it with everybody. And, and don't be afraid to, you know, to evolve and to allow yourself to, you know, try things. I love it. I'm constantly evolving. 
Kate, this has been beautiful. I feel like you've probably inspired a lot of people. There's going to be a whole crop of new YouTube channels coming up, I think, of oh, your day job it. listeners recording. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Please, everybody, listen to Kate's music. It is gorgeous. All the people who said you didn't make good music, all those people are wrong because your music oh, thank is you. stunning. <laughs> and it's just been so nice to meet you and have the chance to chat with you. It's so great to chat with you too, Alicia. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. I can't wait to read your book when it comes out and read all about your journey with your different internships. And I just, I, I'm someone who constantly daydreams about, you know, doing all the things and doing all the jobs. And I just, yeah, I'm a, I'm a majorly you're multi-passionate. My, you're my target. You're my target market. Yes. I can't <laughs> wait to read it. So thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Kate. Thank you so much for listening to Quit Your Day Job. We are a Zcast production and want to send huge thanks to Zibby Owens, Chelsea Grogan, and the team at Texture Sound for their support. Don't forget to pre-order my What If Year, sign up for my mailing list on aliciafmiranda.com, or find me on Instagram, at aliciafmiranda. It's the best place to hear news about my wild upcoming book tour, future podcasts, and of course, memes about Gilmore Girls. And if you decide to quit your day job, please share that too. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.